0: to Philippians chapter 4 we will begin in verse 4 if you're using the pew bible that is on page 822 god prepares you for what he has ahead of you because he is sovereign one of my heroes is Mary Beth Jose young girl in this body that has battled a brain tumor for seven or eight years, which is very unusual. But it's very significant that when Mary Beth Jose was seven and a half, she was in a church and they offered a copy of Pilgrim's Progress. If you would memorize the book of Philippians, and so she memorized the book of Philippians. And she got her copy of Pilgrim's Progress, but she got more. She got something that would sustain her through what she has experienced. I'd like you to turn to Philippians 4, beginning with chapter 4, where we read, Rejoice in the Lord always, always, good, bad, indifferent ways. Again, I will say, rejoice, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasseth all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there be any excellence, if there be anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And then down in verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. In whatever circumstances I am, I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. You see, Paul had learned he was an old man He was in a Roman jail about 30 years after Jesus died. And he learned the same thing that Peter learned when Peter was in jail. And he thought he was going to be killed. And the angel came and took him out of the jail. Now, we can learn from Paul. We can learn from Peter. We can also learn from Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was a preacher in the last century. He spoke weekly to about 7,000 people, and in his life, he addressed close to 10 million. And when he got to this text, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, he wrote these words. This shows us that contentment is not a natural propensity of man. Covetousness, discontent, and murmuring are as natural to man as thorns are to the soil. We need not sow thistles and brambles. They come up naturally enough because they are indigenous to earth. And so we need not teach men to complain. They complain fast enough without any education. But the precious things of the earth must be cultivated. Now contentment is one of the flowers of heaven. It must be cultivated. It will not grow in us by nature. It is the new nature alone that can produce it. And even then, we must be specially careful and watchful that we maintain and cultivate the grace which God has shown in us. Do not indulge the notion that you can be content without learning or learn without discipline. It is not a power that may be exercised naturally, but a science to be acquired gradually. We know this from experience. Brother, hush that murmur, natural though it be, and continue a diligent pupil in the college of content. I had to learn that. In my other early 40s, I began to do what I think a lot of people do at that age. I began to analyze my life, where I was going, what I had accomplished, where I was going to be. And I was very anxious because I didn't have much security. I was a full-time evangelist. And if the churches quit inviting me, I would have no place to minister and no income, And the Lord had not shown me what was out there beside me. And one night, I went to bed. I never have headaches. I'm blessed that way. But I had a tension headache. And I knew if I moved, I would get sick. But I was too tense to stay there. And so I moved. (laughs) And sure enough, I got sick like I did last night. Dan said I was under attack. I am I have missed uh, what's going around up to now, but just pray for me. But that night, it wasn't anything like the flu. It was the fact that I was tense. And after I got sick, I came back and I laid down on the bed and God spoke his word to me. Philippians 4, 6. I had memorized it. It's good to memorize scripture because sometimes you need it. And I remember that it said in Philippians 4, 6, Be not careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, you realize what that says. That says, don't worry about anything. Doesn't say it's all right to worry about your children. It's all right to worry about your finances. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything. And I've looked up those Greek words, and they are very extreme words. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passeth all understanding will keep your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. I remember lying there in the bed and I got angry. I said, God, you better mean that. That's in your word because I'm fixing to take you up on it right now And one by one, I took every problem I had, and they were quite a few, and I laid it on the Lord. And I want to tell you something. God means what he says. When I did that, and I determined that I was not going to carry it myself, the greatest peace flooded my soul. Now, the next morning, I noticed another couple of words in it. It says, with thanksgiving. And I asked the Lord what that meant. And he told me that that meant that I was trusting the Lord. I knew that that closed it and that that made it final. Now, Paul said that, but he didn't dream that up because if you'll turn to Matthew 6, you'll find the same thing. That Jesus said, he said, do not lay up for yourselves. Well, I'm going to skip that. Go go down to verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Nor for your body as to what you shall put on Is not life more than food and the body than clothing Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow Neither do they reap nor gather into barns And yet your heavenly father feeds them Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you by being anxious Can add a single cubit to his life span? I mean things we worry about That the worrying does absolutely no good and why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so raised the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Then notice the concluding verse, very important. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, worry is the great deception. Number one, you think it's righteous, and it's not righteous. Some people feel that they need to be concerned, and if they don't worry, they're not being responsible. But Paul and Jesus said, be not anxious. Also, it's the great deception because you think you're doing something about it. When you worry and you're not doing anything about it, you're just like a car up on blocks with the motor running and the wheels spinning and it's not going anywhere. And so, therefore, realize that first of all, it is not righteous. Jesus said, Do not worry. He also said, Don't commit adultery. He said, don't steal. He said, don't lie. Now, I might meet this, preach this sermon. It's happened before. Somebody come up and say, Preacher, I appreciate what you said, but I just can't help worry. Now, would you say that about adultery? Would you come up and say, Well, preacher, appreciate that sermon, but I just can't help but commit adultery? (laughs) Would you do that with lying? Would you do that with stealing? The truth of the matter is, you can't help doing it because you have a carnal nature. But the power of the Holy Spirit can deliver you if you get out of the deception. And worry is the worst one. Because when you do some of these other sins, you know that's wrong. But worry, you feel like first of all is righteous. And then second of all, you feel like you're doing something. Juan Carlos Ortiz, one of the best preachers I know, he was at first Presbyterian about 10 years ago. And he talked on this subject. And he said, a man came up to him and said, well, well, uh, Dr. Ortiz, you say we're not supposed to worry. What about all those people over in Rwanda? What about all those starving people? Aren't we supposed to worry about them? And Juan Carlos said, well, you can worry about them if you want to, but you're not helping them. If you are really concerned, let me tell you what you do. You go home, get your checkbook, and write a great big check to the people over there. And that'll help them. But just your being concerned is not going to help them. Now, the Holy Spirit will help you eradicate this harmful thing from your life. I said it'll cut your lifespan 15 years. Jesus said, I go away, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace. That's the peace that calmed the waves when he called Peter to the boat. That's the peace in the garden that caused him to cry out, not my will, but thy will, O Lord. And he went to the cross in God's peace. That is the peace of the cross. When he hung there in all his pain and all his shame, and he prayed and said, Father, bless them, they know not what they do. It is His peace. It's not as the world giveth. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I want you to try to make a decision here today. It will bless your life that never again are you going to engage in worry. You're going to find out what you can do about it and you're going to do it. Do you realize that's what you do anyway? You realize that's what you do anyway? Here you're worried about something. Now you can spend a lot of effort and and burn up a lot of calories maybe worrying about it. But in the end, you're going to do what you have to do. So why worry about it? Just do what you've got to do. And if you can't do anything about it, then you are ridiculous to worry about it. First thing I made the decision, I'm not going to worry about anything I can't do anything about. And that freed me a great deal. Now, Peter is even more definite. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, notice he says, cast all of it. The Amplified says, Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all, on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Now, if you don't do that, you know the sin you're guilty of? You're guilty of the sin of pride. You say, well, God, you can take care of the big things like going to heaven when I die. But I don't need you to take care of the little things. I can do that on my own. So I will tough through that and I'll leave those other things to you. In Isaiah, he talks about the cross And I'm not sure you've ever realized it says this. But it says the chastisement of our well-being was placed on him. Now, did you get that? The chastisement of our well-being was placed on him. He died so that you might have well-being. And when you go and you engage in worry or anxiety, it's almost like you're saying, well, Jesus, thank you very much. (laughs) I appreciate the fact that you died on the cross for my well-being, but Jesus, that's not enough. It's really not enough. I wish it was. I wish what you did could completely take care of it, but it can't. And so, Lord, I appreciate you doing that, but I'm still going to take care of some of these things. When you do that, then Jesus dies in vain. In Philippians 2.13, it says, It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, pay attention right now because this is the important thing. Do you remember when it says the word was preached and fell on the thorns? And it says the thorns choked it out with worries and riches and pleasures, and it brought no fruit to maturity. Now, God does not want to eradicate worry from your life just so you can have a pleasant life. He doesn't want to take this away from you so that you won't have any tension or any trouble and live a very safe and secure life because unless you don't know it, that ain't the way it's supposed to be down here. Don't get up there confused with down here. Jesus said in the world, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You might have to endure some trouble, some trial. You may have a son or a daughter who gets AIDS. Now, don't think you ought to worry about it. Worry can't do anything about it. But also, you don't need to say, well, God, you must hate me because I've got this trouble. He told you you were going to have trouble. But what he says is that at the cross he was chastised for your well-being. And he will cause all things, even a child that has AIDS, to work together for good to them that love him. And why he ends it with that verse. Don't miss that. When he talks about worry in Matthew 6, He ends it, he said, don't worry about stuff, for all these things, the godless, or the Gentiles, eagerly seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus doesn't want you freed from worry just so you can have an easier time. He wants you freed from worry so that the worries and riches and pleasures won't choke out the word. Maybe you're a materialist. You're doing the same thing. You're putting your eggs in materialism's basket and it will always disappoint you. But he says, I want you to be freed from the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life so that you will be free to seek the kingdom and to put the kingdom first. This is the reason to be free from worry. One of the greatest individuals who ever conquered worry was a man by the name of George Mueller. He ran some orphanages. They say he raised the equivalent of $7 million without asking for a dime. And somebody asked him about worry one day, and he said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. In the middle of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln and some of his friends were traveling in the rainy season, and it was a real deluge, and the rivers had swelled, and they had nearly been washed away on their trip several times, and they came to a lodge where they were going to spend the night, and that night, they sat around the campfire, and they were talking because the next day, they had to cross the Fox River. And the Fox River was a terror. It was a terror just in normal times. But when it swelled and overflowed its banks, it was almost impossible to cross. And so they spent their night in that uh, inn, and they were talking about how treacherous it was going to be the next day. And then they realized there was a Methodist preacher, a circuit rider that was there and he traveled this area all the time and he had crossed the Fox River many times and they turned to him and they said we know that you've navigated this river a lot do you have any special way of getting across that river and the preacher said well now that you've asked me uh, I do have one fixed rule about crossing that river. I've solved it with just one rule. It's big. It's hard to get across. They said, well, what's your secret? Do you have a special place that you cross? He said, no. There's no one place any easier than anywhere else. Said, well, do you have a float that is put back and hidden so you can use that to cross the river? He said, no, I've never had time to build one. I've never had the money to buy one, so I don't have a float. And they said, but you said you had a rule about crossing the river. What is the rule? He said, my rule is I have learned, Paul learned, I have learned never to cross Fox River until I come to it. I have learned never to cross Fox River until I come to it. I believe that's what is what the Lord wants to tell you today. He wants you to trust Him. It is a theological thing. Is He real or is He not? Do you have more going for you than the pagan world out there? If you do, then it's time that you got out of the great deception and realized you're not being righteous when you worry, you're being sinful. And second of all, you're not doing anything about it. And in the third place, it will clog you up so that you will not be able to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Would you bow your head for just a moment? Father, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we just plain don't trust you like we ought to. And I pray right now, Father, that if there are those here this morning that, that have tough things that they're facing, that they might cast that on you. And that they might cast it completely, Lord, on you. All of their anxieties, all of their worries, all of their concerns, once and for all, on you. And know that they don't have to care for it anymore. Thank you, Lord. Will you say right now, Lord, I don't care. I don't care about this thing because you will care about it. And I ask you to touch me right now, Father. And I ask you to enable me to to trust you with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind. And that I might seek first your kingdom and your righteousness.